Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. It is so good to be with you today. Thank you for joining us for Church Online. Who would have thought last Sunday when we're gathering in person that we'd be back to online church and, you know, things change so quickly and we find ourselves here. But you know what I'm so grateful for? I'm so grateful that in all the change there's one thing that remains constant. That is the goodness of God, His love for us. And I'm so thankful that we can call upon His wisdom, His peace and all those things at this time. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're feeling anxious about going back to lockdown again, just call upon the peace of God. And let's be a church that's praying during this time, praying for our state government, praying for businesses, praying for our children who are at school, uh, praying for, for whatever it might be, praying for our families, praying for people we know that are struggling at this season and just praying for God to see us through as a church, a city, as a state. It's only five days, but at the time of recording this, I'm not sure how much longer it's maybe going to go for, but we just know that God is with us. If you're joining us for the first time uh, for a couple of weeks, we are in a series called The Comparison Trap. Today we're ending that series and we've been looking at how we compare ourselves to others and how that comparison is not good for us. The bottom line of this entire series has been the very following simple statement is this, there's no win in comparison. Come on, right where you are at home, as you're watching, wherever you are, say it with me, there's no win in comparison. And as soon as I look over here and see that car, as you, soon as you look over that way and see that house, as soon as we start comparing our children to other people's children, our job and our career to other people's career, what we find is we end up in a place of no win. See, there's no win, there's no advantage, there's no finish line. There's none of those things in comparison. There's no peace. And we said there's a reason there's no win in comparison because wherever you look, there's always someone with more er. Do you remember what we talked about? We said that there's always someone who's rich er, skinny er, smart er, taller, prettier, all those things happier. Or you might be on the other end of it. You might feel good about yourself because you have more er than other people. But eventually, even that doesn't bring satisfaction or the peace that we are looking for in life. There's no win in comparison. In week one, we landed at the following question. I think it's an important question that we need to answer as a people, as a church, as believers in Christ. What or who am I going to use as my reference point to tell me I'm okay? I want to know that I'm okay. I want to know that I'm doing it, that I'm making it. You want to know that you're okay. It doesn't matter how old or how young you might be. You want to know if you've got what it takes. If you're a man, do you have what it takes? If you're a woman, are you loved? Are you accepted? Are you a cherished? You want to know these things. So the question is, what or who am I going to use as my reference point to tell me I'm okay? Because I know that in my own life, I want that. And I know that in your life, you want that as well. Last week, we answered this question by looking in the Bible and seeing what it says in the New Testament. And it teaches us that there is a God who loves us so much that He doesn't just see us as people, as men and women. He sees us as His adopted sons and daughters. He sees us as family. And you've been invited 
to relate to God as Abba Father. It's an intimate term of, of reference that God used when talking about his dad, about, about God the Father, Abba Father. This, this uh, intimate ref, uh, term that we've been given to use. And he loves you unconditionally. Doesn't matter your past, doesn't matter what you're doing right now. He loves you right where you are. The alternative to seeing yourself how God sees you is to see yourself how you compare yourself to other people. And there's no win in comparison. Here's a statement that we ended with in week two, which was last week. We ended with this statement. Take your cue about you from the one who made you, loves you, and redeemed you. Take your cue from him. See, don't take your cue from people around you, from the left and the right. Don't take your cue even from well-meaning people. Instead, take your cue from the one who made you, loves you, and redeemed you. See, when you're tempted to look around, to try to find out how am I going, am I measuring up, instead of taking it from those areas, take it from God who loves you so very, very much. See yourself how he sees you. Those are great messages. If you miss them, you can jump onto the podcast our website download them have a listen to them right now let's just pray god i just thank you for our time together today doesn't matter if we're meeting in person if we're online the bible says where two or three are gathered there you are in their midst so i thank you you are in our midst today as we are joining together to hear from your word i thank you for the time of worship we've just had what an amazing time i thank you to go into this uh, period of time now that we're going to hear from your word we're going to hear from your holy spirit we just give you praise for that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, come on, everyone said, amen. Turn to the person next to you, say, hey, we're going to have a great time this morning in the Bible. If you're by yourself, maybe you want to send a text message to someone to say, hey, I'm in church at the moment. Send them the link to this, this sermon as I'm preaching it right now. And that would be so fantastic. Today, we're going to wrap up the series. We're going to end this series and, and we're going to continue to build on the last two weeks of what we've been talking about. And today, we're going to look at a parable that Jesus taught in Matthew 25. There's a number of parables in here, and we're going to look at one of them. The first thing we need to know, though, before we get started, is that when parables are used, there's a couple of things we need to know. Two things about parables. The first one is that a parable is just a made-up story, a story that was made up to bring a point across or to make a point. So it's not a story that is real. It's just a story made up to bring a point, to make a, uh, to uh, emphasize some sort of a moral or something along those things, uh, make a point. And then the second thing is that Jesus used parables a lot uh, when he spoke in the New Testament and when he spoke to people, he used parables because it's easier to explain things in story form. And he would often start a parable off by saying, the kingdom of God is like this or the kingdom of heaven is like that. And so parables are a way for us to understand how God views the world and how God views us. And also more specifically, how God evaluates us in the light of his will and desires for us. And so today we're going to look at a famous parable. If you've been in church for any amount of time, you'll have heard of it. If today's your first time in church joining us, that's fine. We're going to study this parable together. And so at the end of it, you'll understand it. Anyway, the parable is the parable of the talents. And you might be saying, oh, talents, the ability that someone has, the gifts that someone has. No, it's not actually that. The word talent is actually referring to a financial term. It actually means money. And so at the time of this, this parable being written, it would refer to maybe some gold or to some silver. But regardless of what type of monetary term it was, it was a financial term. And so let's get into it this morning. Matthew 25, verse 14 
The words will be on the screen uh, just below me. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. This is Jesus. He talks about this man going on a journey and he's not actually bringing these men together because he's deciding to hand out an inheritance like he might be if he was handing out a father to his children. He's not uh, at an age where he's decided to retire from his business and he's now handing over to the business to maybe some uh, succession successes that he had in mind. No, he's handing over, he's entrusting his money to these men, to these servants as he goes on this journey, saying, I want you to manage this money of mine as I would manage this money. Continues on, verse 15. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to their ability. Just like any business owner, any director, um, any manager, team leader, or anyone like that, you understand the people who are working for you and you give them tasks according to their ability. And so he thought to himself, wow, this guy has, has really got the gift of entrepreneurship on his life. So I'm going to give him five bags of gold. This other person has great managerial skills. I'm going to give him two bags of gold. And then this, this last person, well, he's a great worker. So I'm going to give him one bag of gold. And when you read parables, it's always important for you to ask yourself, where do I fit in this parable? Like, where am I in this parable? Who, who am I? Which one of these people that Jesus is speaking to am I? And also, where is God in this parable? Because I want you to know you're in this parable and so is God. And so as we look at this parable today, the talents, the parable of the talents, uh, well, let's just say that we're, we are two bag people, okay? When we look in this, in this story, we're the two bag person. And the reason I say this is because you're not five bags, you haven't, you're not all that, but you're also not one bag. You're better than that. And in light of this series that we've been talking about, the comparison trap, I think that that fits quite well because, you know, yeah, um, there's always someone who has more and there's always someone who has less. So Jesus continues, verse 15 and 16. Then he went on his journey. The man who received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. This guy goes out invest the money, and over time, because it's a long period of time, we're going to talk about this sh shortly, but over time, the money increases, it doubles, so that now he has doubled his master's money. Verse 17, so also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. Again, the same story. This man takes the gold that he was entrusted with, goes out, invests it, trades it, works hard, gets a good return by doubling his master's money. Verse 18, now it talks about the one man. It says, but the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. And you're thinking right now, oh, that doesn't sound good to me. And I'm sure that's what Jesus' audience was thinking at the time. It's like, oh no, this guy, what's he doing? Hiding the money in the ground. Uh, verse 19 continues. It says this, after a long time. Say with me, church. After a long time. This is really important for us to realize. See, after a long time, it's not four days, it's not four weeks. After a long time, it's not four months, it's not four years. After a long time, it's, it's not even 40 years. This term here, after a long time, is actually referring to a lifetime. So it means that at the end of a lifetime, at the end of our days, at the end of our time, 
the master returns. Verse 19, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. In other words, the master says, I'm back now. I want to know how did you do? What did you do with the money that I entrusted with you, that I gave you to manage? Verse 20, the man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. This servant is excited. He comes before the master. He's been waiting for this day. He knew that the money wasn't a loan. It wasn't a gift. It wasn't his to be used as he saw fit. No, it was money entrusted for him to manage it. And he, he managed it, but it belonged to the master. Verse 21, his master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Who wants to hear that one day? Well done, good and faithful servant. So good. The master did what any good boss or owner would do. He promoted the servant. He gave him more responsibility. He, 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 he lifted him up. He esteemed him in front of other people. Verse 22, the man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. And he lays him before the master. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Another servant, another result. Same result, doubling of his master's money and then reward, promotion, uh, esteemment, uh, um, master's happiness. It's at this point that if this was a Hollywood movie, the soundtrack changes from being, you know, happy and delightful. And, you know, I don't know whether it's Hans Zimmer or John Williams, whoever your favorite composer is. But it goes from being like that to maybe like a Jaws theme or an alien theme or like just something where the music is kind of like somber and heavy. In verse 24, then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man. First two servants, they come before the master and they say, um, you entrusted me. That's the first things they say. And yet the last man, the last servant, he says this, I knew you are a hard man. And this servant lost sight of the fact that the money was entrusted with him to do something with it, to multiply it, to manage it, just like the, uh, the master would do. But before he even talks about what he did or he didn't do with the money, he points his finger at the master. He says, hey man, look, look you're, a hard, you're a hard guy to work for. You're, you're not a nice guy. You're a hard man. And so this is kind of your fault, what I'm about to tell you what happened. Verse 24, harvesting where you have not sowing and gathering where you have not scattered, gathered, scattered seed. I know you're a hard driver. You know, you get more than really what's fair. You know, it seems to me that wherever you go, you're always reaping and it's not always because you're sowing somewhere. Verse 25, so I was afraid. Some says, I was afraid. I, I was afraid. And before you get mad at me, you need to realize that this is all your fault because you're a hard man. You, you, you get more than what's fair. I did this because of the way that you are. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. Master, you gave me this one bag and I'm giving you the one bag back. It's what's yours. It's what belongs to you. You, you entrust me with one back. So I'm, I'm giving back what you entrusted me. 
Seems maybe fair, seems maybe okay, but look to see what the master says. Verse 26, his master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I'm not sown and gather where I'm not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. See, the master isn't angry because the servant did something bad. He's mad, he's mad at the servant because he didn't do anything. He didn't do anything bad. He just didn't do anything. And you know, the audience of Jesus at that time would have been thinking, man, yeah, you should have at least put it in a, a term deposit, a banked it in a bank. You should have at least put it in a, a managed fund or some fund or something just to make some money. Verse 28, the master continues, So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. Seems unfair, like, like Jesus, why is the master giving the, the man who has 10 bags already, why is he giving him another bag of gold? Well, it actually makes a lot of business sense. It, it, remember, this is just a parable, you know, like this is not a real life story. But it makes a lot of sense, you know, you give your best performing uh, worker, employee, you reward him. And because you give him, you entrust him with more responsibilities because you know he can handle it and he's going to do the best. And then we get to a little sermon within the parable, verse 29. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so you might be sitting there today and you think to yourself, so the moral of the story is, if you don't handle your money well, you're going to get thrown out of the darkness and you're going to go to hell. And so that's it, guys. That's it for today. Let's pray. God, we thank you. No, 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 no. That, that's, that's not the moral of the story. Come on, remember, this is a parable. It's a made-up story. Jesus is trying to emphasize the point. And, and, and remember, this master... He's a master of money. He's not, he's not God. So this is not an illustration of what is happening here. The moral of the story is this. It's this. Write this down if you're taking notes. What you have is less important than what you do with what you had. What you have. Come on, let that sink in today. Let that sink in your mind and go to your heart. What you have is less important than what you do with what you have. See, all of us have been trusted, entrusted with something. We've been entrusted. We've been given something. Whether, whether we're successful or not, whether we started with little and now we've got a lot, whether we started with a lot and now something has happened and we've got, and we've got little now, we've got nothing. We have all been entrusted with something. The issue isn't what you have or what you don't have which is what the comparison trap tries to tell you. The issue is not what you have or what you don't have. The issue is, what are you going to do with what you do have? What are you going to do with what you do have? And Jesus says the kingdom of God is like this. In other words, this is how heaven, this is how God operates. And let me try and illustrate this to you. Just imagine if you would for a moment if there was a bookshelf here behind me, uh, beside me. There's a bookshelf and on the bookshelf there's all these shelves. And on these shelves there's all these different types of things. There's Family, time, connections, friends, relationships. On another shelf, there's education and dreams, vision, plans and hope for your life. Another shelf, there's job and career. And then another shelf, money and skills and health and, and all those types of things. And then there's another shelf and there's a, there's a briefcase. And just imagine there's a, there's a bookcase next to me. There's a briefcase with a big question mark on it. 
And, and that, that briefcase, it, it, it's the thing that makes you unique. We're all unique. We're all different. We've all been wonderfully made by God and we're all unique. And that thing, it might be part talent, and part skill and part family background, part upbringing, part experiences, part opportunities, whatever it is. It's what makes you, you. And then there's another final thing on this bookshelf and that thing is your story. Your story and your story is unlike any other person's story. No one has been through the same experiences, had the same opportunities, was made the same way, has the same personality, uh, whatever it might be, knows the same people, had the same education, whatever it is, that is your story. I'm, I'm a twin. I have a twin brother and we did a lot of things very, very, very similar, even up to our early 20s, but we're still unique, unique experiences. And See, this parable is Jesus saying to you, saying to me, what's on your bookshelf is not nearly as important as what you do with your bookshelf. Come on, someone needs to hear that again today. Jesus saying, what is on your bookshelf, your family, connections, career, health, you know, all these types of things, dreams and vision and relationships, education, all those things, you know, while they're important in life, they're not nearly as important as what you're going to do with those things on your bookshelf. Jesus, as he teaches this parable, he's implying, he's letting us know that if you're a Bible-believing, God-fearing person, a follower of Jesus Christ, that everything on your shelf has to some extent been placed there or being able to be used by God, whether it's good or bad. Now, I'm not saying that God puts the bad things in your life, but what I'm saying is everything on that bookshelf that is there, God has placed it there or God is able to use it in your life. And so there's no point today complaining about what you do have on your bookshelf or what you don't have on your bookshelf. What is there and what's not there? Because what is there is an opportunity to do something wonderful, an opportunity to do something amazing with what God has entrusted to you. Just like the man with five bags, the man with two bags, the mum with one bag. God has entrusted that bookshelf with you and what you have is irrelevant. It's what you do with it that matters. The Bible teaches that eventually one day we get to, just like the men with five bags and the men with two bags, or we have to, like the man with one bag, give an account of our lives to God. We're going to have to give an account of the life that we lived and the way that we managed and worked with the things that God entrusted us with. We get the opportunity to one day say to God, God, here's what you entrusted to me. Here's what belongs to you. You placed it in my hands. You, this bookshelf of all those things, you placed it in my hands. You entrusted it. You wanted me to manage it, to grow and to be used for your kingdom. And here's God, what I've done with it. And you left me here. You went on a journey and at the end of my life, at the end of my days, at the end of my time, I want to give to you an account of not what, only what you placed in my hands, but what I did with what you entrusted to me. And so the question for us is, what are you going to do with what God has entrusted you with? Like, like right where you are today, what are you going to do with what God has entrusted to you? See, maybe you think like the one bag man. Maybe you think, God, you, you only gave me one bag. God, you put me in this family. God, you didn't enable me to be able to finish my schooling. God, I didn't have the kind of opportunities that my friends or other people I know 
God, you, 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 you caused this health issue that held me back and it didn't enable me to achieve all that I wanted to achieve in life. God, you could have arranged things. Why, Lord? Why, God, didn't you arrange my life to be better, to make things work out for me? If only, God, you'd give me more talents, skills, opportunities, health, friends, wealth, and money. And we might say, God, at the end of the day, it's not really my fault that I didn't correctly use these things and manage these things that you gave to me and trusted with me. It's your fault, God. You should have and you could have and you, you would have and you should have made my life better and then I would have done it. But unfortunately, Jesus says this story, that response, that way of thinking, it doesn't fly in the kingdom of heaven. Five bags, two bags or one bag. Every one of those servants was given something entrusted by God. didn't matter how much they had. It mattered what they did with what they had. See, the issue isn't what is in your hands. The issue is what are you going to do with what God has entrusted to you? If we take this whole series and squeeze it down to two simple ideas as we start to close this today, here's, here's uh, two simple ideas. The first thing is this. And if you would write these down, and I would really ask you to, to take these away and pray about this. Just this year as we're talking about personal growth and transformation in our lives and, and growing close to God, write these two things down. First thing is this, take your cue about you from the one who loves you, made you and redeemed you. Take your cue from God. You know, don't look around you at the world and what you do and don't have. Look to God. God says you're fine because you're mine. You've got what it takes because you've got Jesus in your life. Maybe today you're watching this and you don't know Jesus. You don't have a relationship with him. Just shortly, I'm going to give you that opportunity to know Jesus and to know who he is. And secondly, for the rest of your life, I want you to do this. Celebrate what God has given others and leverage what God has given you. Come on, is that a great thought? I think it's a fantastic thought. For the rest of your life, celebrate what God has given others, and leverage what God has given you. I wonder how rich and, and meaningful and deep and rewarding and how satisfying life might be if we could pray a prayer like this every day. A simple prayer that says, God, I'm glad that she gets that. God, I'm glad that he has that job. Lord, I'm glad that their children are like that or that they've had opportunities to have whatever has happened in their life. And Lord God, I thank you for what is happening and going on in their life. And, and that's so great. I celebrate those things. But Lord, I'm going to choose to not compare myself to them. God, I'm going to choose not to be tempted to fall into that comparison trap. I'm going to, I'm going to celebrate and I'm going to leverage what it is that you've given me. You didn't entrust what they've been given to me. Instead, you entrusted my bookshelf to me. And when I get to heaven one day, God, I want to celebrate giving an account of my life. And you're not going to ask me how uh, to give an account for someone else's life. You're going to ask me to give an account for my own life. And so, Lord, I want to be in a place where I can look you in the eyes and say, Lord, you gave me one bag. I made, I made it two. You gave me two bags. I made it four. You gave me five bags. I made it ten. Lord, I did something. I, I, I want you to see what you've placed. I, I can see what you placed in my hands what you entrusted in my hands. And Lord, I celebrate. I'm going to spend the rest of my life leveraging what I've been entrusted with God to be used for your kingdom. 
Today I want to encourage you, encourage us churches, encourage us as men and women, encourage us as married people, as single people, encourage us as young people, encourage us wherever we may be in our walk in life to celebrate what God has given others and leverage what God has given you. Celebrate what is going on in their lives and leverage what God has given you. See, remember at the end of the day, there's no win in comparison. There's no win in comparison. And I'm, I'm 43 years of age and, and, and I've gone through life and I've compared my life at times to other people. And can I tell you something? Tell you something that's never brought any, any joy to my life. And, and as I speak to people who are older than me, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, they tell me the same thing. There's no win. There's no joy. There's no satisfaction in comparing themselves to what other people have. But there is an extraordinary satisfaction, contentment, a heavenly contentment, a godly contentment, an extraordinary satisfaction waking up every single day in the center of God's will for your life, being who God's called you to be and doing what God has called you uniquely to do. Can you imagine what might happen in our community, what might happen in our church, what might happen in our families and in our workplaces and in our world if we embraced that an idea? See, I want to I let you know today, you can take the pressure off. You can take the pressure off yourself. You can take the pressure off your spouse. You can take the pressure off your kids. How much would life be better with all those comparison trap pressure that is on us? So just as I close today, let's, let's get out of the comparison trap. Let's just wake up every day and be who God has called us to be. And that is to give Him maximum glory and to have ultimate satisfaction in our lives. Let's pray. God, I just thank you today. During this series, The Comparison Trap, God, we've looked at so many things.